1: Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 144 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is November 17th, 2010. We're getting near the end of 2010. We got a really great show for you this week on the podcast. Three games left. Trojans are seven and three. Big upset win on the road at Arizona. We're going to talk about that. And the back-to-back road trip going up to Oregon State, trying to get a win up there in Corvallis, which has not been something easy for USC Trojan teams to do, so we're going to talk about all of that. we got Harvey Hyde coming up. We have uh, Dan Weber coming up in the segment after that. So lots of talk on the USC football team. If you have any questions or comments, you can always drop us an email. Podcast at USCfootball.com is our email address, or call us today, 206-888-6755. Anytime. Give us a call, 206-888-6755. That's our voicemail number. You can leave us a voicemail, and we can play... Your question on the next Peristyle Podcast show. we got a bunch of uh, voicemail questions today, so that'll be good. We can hear some of your voices out there and answer your questions. Again, it's the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham. We love to have the coach, Harvey Hyde, in the first segment each and every week, no exception this week. Coach, what's going on, in?
2: Well, baby, it's happening. It's happening. The Trojans uh, went on the road. Uh, it's a little nail-biter, like I thought it might be. Uh, I have... Uh, a thumb left on one hand, and i got a couple, I got a couple of fingers on the other hand. But a win is a win. And when you go into Tucson and you win there, it's a difficult place to play and win at. And, of course, Mike Stoops has been very successful the last two years, 2008-2009. I think he's something like 23-12. and 12. He's got a very uh, top program now. He's beaten Iowa from the Big Ten. They consider Iowa one of the top teams in the Big Ten. And he had only lost one time and uh or two times really but one time in the pack 10 so it was a, a huge game i think he'd only lost one was he no he's seven and three two now so he'd lost twice
1: they lost to oregon state so, yeah oregon state yeah, lost
2: to oregon huh no oregon state lost oregon state that's right 31 28 but it, it it was a great win we'll talk about the win we'll talk about all the implications of that win, uh where that uh, and what that does for the trojans and uh I just want to thank uh, everyone out there for participating with our show. And, Ryan, we've got a great sponsor. Let's get that in. And then you have a special message you want to pass on before we get started.
1: Certainly do, Coach. Uh, our sponsor, Southern California Tickets, they've been great. com is the URL. We've got the big game against Notre Dame coming up Thanksgiving weekends. If you need tickets for that, go to com or you can call them 1-800-888-7287. And, uh, Coach, yeah, where's uh? It's kind of a sad day for me yesterday. uh, I went to uh, the funeral of a friend of mine, uh, Tony Saltis, And uh, he was, if my math is right, 76 years old. Um, He actually played coach. He was a a USC basketball player way back in the 50s. And uh, he's uh, he's originally from Northern California. Greek guy, came down, met some Greek guys and came down to USC. Um, He was on the last USC Final Four team. Back in 1954, the last time USC basketball went to the Final Four, uh, Tony was on that team, and just he's just this great guy who's been a, a big part of the community, a huge USC fan booster. You'd always see him at the basketball games and the football games. Um, I went on a trip with him to the BYU game back in 2004. A couple of his friends, a couple of my friends. It was fun, and even though there was a pretty big age difference, we used to go to dinner a lot uh, Monday nights at Taylor Steakhouse, which is another big SC haunt. He just befriended everyone that was around him. And, you know, he would invite us to dinner. and He'd never let you pay. And he would always want to pick my brain about what was going on at USC football practice. And just, just a great guy. I feel really lucky to have met him. And unfortunately, uh, about 10 weeks ago, he went to the hospital. And there was some form of cancer, leukemia. And uh, he never came out. And, uh, you know, it, it was a shame. And just, I just wanted to let people know. If, I know a lot of the USC fans know who he is out there, especially if you know Basketball. But if you don't just wanted to maybe keep Tony in your thoughts and you know we lost a great Trojan yesterday.
2: You're exactly right. You know, I did not know Tony as personal as you did, but every time I did see him or meet him, he always uh gave me a big hug or said, "Hey, I like listening to your coach. How you doing?" and so on and uh, you know, it's uh it's it's really it's a it's a sad moment in Trojan football history the same way when if everybody remembers Craig Fertig. It was the same type of feeling, too, when Craig Fertig passed on. And uh, Great Trojans come, and great Trojans go, and great Trojans come again. And I think this is the way the Trojan family is, and that's why they survived through uh, good times and uh, negative times. And this is one time this season that I think the football program is proving to the NCAA, to the Pac-10 Conference, to everyone that they do not give up. And that is one thing about this USC football team that I really enjoy watching, and that's how hard they play every single game. No matter what the score is, whether they're behind or ahead, this team has never not shown up. And I'll tell you, that's one thing that I admire about this team. After all the things that have happened, this team has showed up and played hard, and uh, I give a lot of that uh, to Coach Kiffin and his staff because they have not been distracted. And this next game, they've got to show up again. And if they do, I think they'll get a victory.
1: Yeah, Coach. I mean, you, hats off. You got to give hats off to Lane Kiffin with one of the craziest off seasons in college football history, maybe the craziest. To be seven and three at this point, and a legitimate shot at a ten-win season. I mean, Colin Coward came on and said, you've got to give Lane Kiffin coach of the year with all the distractions and the scholarship problems and things like that. I don't know if you want to go that far, but I, I think he could have, the team could have folded. I think he could have made a lot more excuses than he has. He's kind of gone through and said, you know, when we don't play well, it's on me or it's on this or that, whatever. I mean, he's gone through. I think he's done just about everything you could ask of him. There's a couple games. The U.S.A. should have won. You know, the, the Stanford game and Washington game are certainly winnable. And they, they could have won those games without some of those mistakes. And Oregon, that would have been tough. I mean, they were in that. They were winning in the third quarter. But to play as tough as they have all season to get seven wins out of the ten games they've played. And, and, and a real shot, they'll be favored in the last three games they play. I mean, you've got to give hats off to Coach Kiffin because he's kept this team together. It's, it seemed like a sinking ship at times, but it stayed afloat. And uh, he's, still, he's still plowing through.
2: If they are, and I'll tell you, there's, uh, you know, me, the way I am, when you ask me a question and they give you an honest answer, there's times that i praised the USC Trojan football team this year, and there's times I've sort of criticized them. So, uh, But one thing I can say, and I mean this when I say it, this team has never given up. This team has fought through things, fought through controversy, fought through... L- players leaving and defecting and going to other schools, and I don't know how many of those schools or those players have been successful at any of those other schools, but if they'd have stayed at USC and graduated and been a part of this group, and I really believe this. At the end of the season, I'm going to say this. I make I made this statement once before on the air. At the end of the season, if this team goes 10-3, and 3, at the football banquet, I would give the team a ring saying, this is our bowl ring. We're not in a bowl, but this is the best team that's not in a bowl. Wear this ring and watch the other teams play because you might have been playing in one of those bowl games. I really mean that because this team has been through that type of season.
1: It is. It it, has been pretty crazy. and The win win last weekend, I think you could argue, was the, the best win of the year for them, beating a ranked team on the road like that. Going through, it was close. Obviously, it was a close game. I don't think they wanted to give up some of those touchdowns that they did, and they they would have obviously liked to score a few more points. They left some points on the table, that's certain. But I mean, getting a win over Arizona like that, making the, the final play of the game, where they haven't seemed to be able to close out teams sometimes like that, where you have Ross Cumming come in and and you know catch that onside kick and secure the ball and, and secure the victory. I mean, they have to be pretty happy with that. I mean, you must have come away impressed. coach uh, coach there, just seeing that win against Arizona?
2: I I was really impressed uh, because it went down to an onside kick and I'll tell you uh, I really liked what the University of Arizona tried to do I really liked the way that they lined up for the onside kick and really uh, their plan would have been successful but the kicker dribbled the ball up right to Cummings, just dribbled it up to him where he did the right thing, he attacked the ball he didn't let the ball come to him, otherwise he'd have never got that ball because they'd have knocked him out. But he went to the ball, he got that ball, and USC won the game. If, they'd have kicked, if that kicker would have kicked the ball three yards to the right or three yards to the left and kicked it a little harder where it would have gone through, uh, Arizona might have won that football game or at least gotten in football position to put that game in overtime. But, uh, but I'm going to tell you something. The, uh, the special teams, again, certainly did play well and uh, I've got to give credit to them. All the time we've seen them spend on special teams in practice has certainly now come on towards the end of the year. I, I really believe that. That play that they ran for a first down when they lined up in field goal position, as they normally do with Mustaine in the ball game, shift into the inside, get the defense to relax, have two up-bats. The only difference, Mustaine didn't kneel down where he normally does they snapped the ball. Cameron came across the back of the uh, offensive line of scrimmage, went into the flat, and they threw that first down there. That was a huge play, again, coming off the special teams, which ended up in a touchdown. I think that was tremendous. That's just two plays as far as special teams. I don't want to get into all of them. But uh, those are two huge plays that people don't talk about. And this Ross Cummings kid is the kid that walked on and got a scholarship. His scholarship was worth every bit of that on-site kick that he recovered. Yeah,
1: certainly was, coach. That's a, a couple of big special teams plays. Yeah, that that fake field goal or just go for it on fourth down. That was a that was an amazing play as well. Well, let's let's get to some of these questions. Uh we we'll got some voicemail questions. Again, if you want to leave us a voicemail, 206-888-6755 is our number. Just call that. Number leave a voicemail and we can play it on the air for you. Here's the first one, coach. Just a little bit about it's a question about playing in space
3: yeah hi this
4: is bill and
3: this is a question for harvey hyde uh harvey a couple of times you've used the term playing in space and in in terms of either playing well in space or playing poorly in space and generally is related to the defense can you please explain to to me or to the audience what you mean by this uh by this term appreciate it really enjoy the uh, podcast and uh, look forward uh, looking forward to your answer thank you bye
2: well, uh, in most terms, I mean playing in spaces. You're just playing out there uh, in the galaxy somewhere, and, and you're not doing anything. You're just flying around with the stars. And uh, you've got to be involved. You've got to close down the field. You've got to be in the area of the football and the players you're defending and so on. And it's sort of a loose term that I use as far as space head. Or you're in space thinking about something else, or you're not in the right place, at the right time, and so on. Uh, you're not positioning yourself. You're playing in space, man. I mean, you're you're thinking about something else. You're thinking about your girlfriend or a movie you saw last night. So that's the way I use that term. It's Bobby, misleading, but you've gotta you've gotta be in a position to make a play. I've always felt that if you're in a position to make a play, then you're in position to do the right thing. If you're not in position and you're not in a position to to cover or make a hit or do whatever you're doing, then how can you make it? You've got to be in the position to make it. And a lot of times I've seen this year the secondary play as though they're in space, which means they they, they have all this area. There is uh, the entire field for the receiver to utilize to come underneath or catch a ball or run the swing pass five times in a row or run the slant route five times in a row. And uh, I, I call that like playing in space, not making any adjustments or playing what your position might be or playing a position where you can make the play. So basically that's what that term is. I like to see players in a position where they can accomplish their goal and make the play, no matter what that play might be and whatever position that might be.
1: Okay, makes sense, Coach. Uh, thanks for that question, Bill. Uh, we got It's kind of more of a comment, but maybe get your comments on this one, Coach, from Jason... Uh, in Connecticut, he said he's very sad to see Alan Bradford, C.J. Gable, and Mitch Mustaine return to USC. Please don't get me wrong. I'm a season ticket holder who lives in Connecticut. That's dedication right there, Coach. And one of the biggest SE fans you can find anywhere. Very big Rodney Pete sold me on the program way back in 1987. But he feels Alan, C.J., Mitch could play anywhere in the country, but they picked USC. They stuck by their decisions by doing this. has probably cost them millions of dollars collectively. I guess the, my point is, If I were to have a son and they were as loyal as these men, I could not have done any better as a parent. I only hope that the NFL combine coaches will see that these men are talented and will choose them with their selections in the 2011 NFL draft. Fight on and win forever, Jason.
2: Well, Jason, uh, I'll tell you, uh, there are great backs in the country that sometimes are great players in the country that never get their break or their time to play. And uh, the old theory is, and I go along with this theory, and sometimes it's uh, not the best way to think of it if you're a parent, but when I have a great player, I want him in the game. And I've been waiting, or you've been waiting, we've all been waiting, I think as a football fan or a coach or a broadcaster or whatever, for someone to emerge from this tremendous talent of backs that USC has had over the last several years. There hasn't been one that has really surfaced, lined up, and carried the football in a regular fashion, been a receiver in a regular fashion, been a blocker, do whatever's necessary to win. When you have great players on the field, you want the ball in the great player's hands where they can make great plays. The role of a quarterback is to make sure he gets the ball to whether it's a running back or receiver or whoever it might be, to make allow or allow that player to use his great skills to get it done. The offensive line, of course, is in a position where they must block to protect or block and knock people off the line of scrimmage where these backs can use their great abilities. So your quarterback last last, like last week, not get sacked, we can throw the football. So I thought last week's performance by Mark Tyler was absolutely spectacular. I've been calling for this type of Performance the entire year or last for the last five years. Yeah, you've been selecting.
1: you've been high on Mark Tyler from the, when we started the podcast, Coach.
2: You're, you're exactly right, I, and so I don't want to just say I'm jumping on on board now, but you've got to allow someone to establish themselves with timing. You've got to allow the offensive line to know who they're blocking for and how long it takes him to get there. You've got to have someone who punishes the defensive backs when they come up to tackle him and hurts them. And finally they say, I'm going to hit him with my, I'm going to close my eyes this time. I can't take it anymore. And then on Monday you take care of this person, you put him in the whirlpool, he gets ready. And obviously after the game, you know, Tyler said, I'm sore, I'm tired, I want to go home. And he's been tired all week. When you look at the great running backs around the country, they don't practice much during the week. They don't hit him during the week. They let him rehab and get ready to play again. And you get a rhythm. When Tyler's been in the game, there's been a rhythm with the USC offense. Now, when he's out of the game, if another player came in like Bradford, I think he's a tremendous back. I really feel bad he's not playing. He would get that rhythm. If you gave him the ball 35 times a game or 30 times a game, that same type of success would come. And I think that younger backs have to wait their turn. You know what happened and in, in, what's happened now? Everybody's got to play right away. In the old days or days in the past, Baxter would be a redshirt. You wouldn't even waste a year eligibility on him. He would redshirt, get his academics uh, together, go out to practice every day. Uh, service the scout team, learn the offense, and so on, and save his eligibility. So when Tyler's gone and Baxter's gone and these other guys are gone, Tyler's gone, and Bradford's gone, and so on, then his turn comes. Right now what happens, everybody's got to play right away and they're not satisfied. So you've got to get your key guy. I thought it was a tremendous performance. I'd like to see that performance again. If you read the article in the Times- uh, today on Wednesday, what did it say? We've got to run the football. We've got to play action pass off the football. Exactly. And then you've got to utilize your tremendous receivers you have out there and utilize your backs in the passing game and also your tight ends. If you're not going to throw to your tight ends, and throw to your backs out in the seams and down the curl routes. And, get a, uh, and I love the draws they ran last week. Two of their draws were key plays in the game. The first down to the one on Hebele was a key play in keeping a draw going, a great call. But as far as Bradford's concerned, great player, great kid, wrong place, wrong time. And right now, Tyler is the man. He's got to wait and wait his turn now, no matter what. I think it's, it's I'm sorry he's not playing. He could be playing at a lot of universities. He's a great kid. But as far as Baxter, I don't feel sorry for Baxter his turn will come. Bradford and Tyler should be one, two. If something happens to Tyler and he goes down, Bradford's got to be ready to come in and be ready to carry the football 30 times if necessary. The only way you get in shape as a back is to play down after down after down and don't look to the sideline. And if you have a sprained ankle, you walk it off. Might sound cruel, but that's the way it is.
1: I agree coach. And, uh, yeah, he had that big game, two hundred and twenty three yards, two touchdowns against Washington. Since then he would have like one carry, three carries. I don't think he carried the ball against Arizona. But the big deal is, and, and Lane Kiffin talked about this yesterday, is ball security. They know that they have to take care of the ball, especially up in Oregon at Oregon State in Corvallis, where they've turned the ball over the last couple of times they went up there, lost those games. It's going to be wet. Uh, they need to secure the ball. And they looked at, at, I think it was Bradford's like last 15 or 20 carries or so with them. And Bradford agreed. You know, we talked to him yesterday. He agreed. He wasn't holding the ball high and tight. He, was, he wasn't securing the ball well enough. And the coaches didn't feel confident putting him in there because of the ball security issue. So I think he's working on that for sure this week. He wants to be ready. You know, he wants to get in there and get back to that form he had against Washington where he had that huge, huge game. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, you know, Mark Tyler, again, he's been banged up. We'll see what happens this week in practice. He didn't really go much yesterday. He might play a little today or tomorrow, and we'll see what happens in the game. But Bradford, like you said, has to be ready, and the coaches have to feel confident in him that he's not going to put the ball on the turf.
2: And let me tell you, there's goods and bads about not playing. Yes, you may not get the big dollars in the draft when you come out, but your body's not beat up either. Your body is fresh, your legs are fresh, and so on. And NFL scouts and teams look at that. Here's a great player, he'll test well, he's 225, 230 pounds, great kid, great attitude, which means so much. He brings a fresh body to the NFL, not one nursing injuries and so on. So, there's a lot of pluses with it, I know it's very negative. Great players and winners want to get on the field, and it's the attitude that they have if they don't get on the field that you really look at, and... uh and, and Ellen just done a great job at that, and I feel bad about it. But again, hey, when Mark's running like he's running, pound <laughs> him and hand him the football. Pound him and hand him the football. Use him in pass routes. Get the offensive line acquainted to what he does and his timing of the runs, and then throw the football.
1: All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get to the next voicemail question. This one is about the li- middle linebacker position, specifically Devon Kennard.
3: JD calling from Washington, D.C. Uh, do you all expect to see Devon Kennard back at defensive end next year? I'm still confused by this ongoing saga at middle linebacker with him and Chris Clippo. I understand why Chris got the start and more reps versus foils and pass happy Arizona, but four tackles hardly amounts to resurgence. How much of this situation is a function of coaches realizing Kennard's ceiling as a middle linebacker? Especially in pass coverage and recognizing they belong to defensive end. It just seems like a tragedy to me to have a guy like Kennard's obvious talent at defensive end playing only in half the downs and running situations. Uh, I'd sure like to have a dominant front four with flexibility, you know, moving Armstead to defensive tackle is needed next year. And, you know, especially with Casey probably entering the draft early. So, uh, what, what, do, you, what do you think? You think Kennard will be moving back to defensive end next year?
2: Yes, I do. I don't think he's progressed at what the coaches thought he would. He should not be a down-distance situation player. He's a great athlete. As I have always said, you need your athletes on the field. You want your players to make plays? They can't make plays for you when they're sitting on the sideline. You've got to get your top players, find a place for them, and let them play. Uh, I think that uh, Gallipo right now is a better middle linebacker. He has experience of playing that. He understands defense more. He doesn't think before he reacts. He might not be... The athlete that uh, Kennard is as far as being able to run as fast or do this or do that, but there's a feel at playing middle linebacker. You don't have to be a, a huge, big uh, guy. It's great to have him, but look at Clay Matthews who starts for Oregon in the middle. I mean, he's 6'1", maybe six foot, 220 pounds, but he's where the football is. And he understands the game of football. He has a feel. He's played there all his life. It's like taking someone and moving them from a place they're natural at and where they've had great success and then having him think about what he has to do. I agree 100%. I think Armstead should move down inside eventually. I don't think he's as quick uh, quick enough to play outside, especially against the spread offenses that they're facing and so on. I think you have to have quick outside ends when you play the type of offense today uh, that people see. Nick Perry, too, would be outside. And, I, and, and, you know, everyone's talking about Casey coming out. You know, I really think that Perry should come back. Uh, Armstead should come back. Casey should come back. All of these players should come back. They need another year coached under Orgeron. They really do. If they come out early, they may not have the success that everyone thinks they're going to have. So I think they should all come back. I think Kennard should go to defensive end. I agree 100%. And they've got to go out and get some uh, linebacker help.
1: Yeah, and they have to recruit linebacking. the linebacking position, well, just because they've been devastated by injuries and defections and things like that at linebacker. I agree with you 100%, Coach. Uh, one of the uh, topics I wanted to talk about, we got I, th- I believe I got to go back and look, but I believe the question we posed to you last week, someone wrote in about third and long, and uh, he was really worried about the team. He's like, you know, when it's third and one, I'm just paraphrasing, these seven long lines, like third and short, he didn't really have any problem with the USC defense, but third and long made him worry. And I believe I asked this to you, Coach, maybe not, it might have been to Dan, but um, we saw that it was, I mean, he couldn't have been more right if you watched the Arizona game. They were doing a pretty good job when it was like third and three and third and four, and they were kind of playing tight and close to the line. Third and 10, third and 12, third and 13, things like that. Corners were way off. A guy ran a slant to hit to him and went for 15 yards. It seemed to work every time. So it was almost like a premonition of what we were talking about on the podcast, Coach, came true in that Arizona game.
2: Well, I agree with you 100%. 11 of 16 uh, third down conversions is not a very good percentage as far as being able to be successful and win. So, uh, yeah, I agree. I, I think they're not getting any safety help. The corners aren't playing uh, the receivers very well. They're playing too far off the in plane man. They're giving a, a cushion that where the receiver's able to drive them off and then break to the inside, and there's no linebacker help there, no safety help there whatsoever, and you're wide open. I think you'd be better off with these corners, and, and I really, I'll, I'll be honest with you, and I think that Coach Kiffin said the same thing Uh, the the corner play or secondary play of the athletes this year has not been that of quality which you would expect from these four- and five-star players. They're not playing like four- and five-star players. Uh, They seem to be confused at times. They don't seem to be uh, using the proper techniques and so on. And and it's really very confusing to me on what they're trying to do sometimes in the secondary. But if on a third and long situation, if, you, if you're just going to give them a play-catch situation, which it's ending up being, I'd rather come up, come up, play the inside, depending where the receivers line up on the field, bring the linebackers up and just go after them and then try to take away the quick pass to the inside, make it be a long throw, a fade or something, which they're having trouble covering. Wright got beat on one last week. And, and just go after him. If, was, if your linebackers aren't going to be in the coverage, what's the difference? Put him on the rush. And make sure you contain the quarterback, especially one that can't run well. And uh, try to put him on his back or hurry his throw or cause a bad throw. Or an interception. Uh, it would be tough to get an interception in that type of situation. But uh, I agree, the third and, long, third and long situation becomes very annoying to a football team, to get you here, you are third and twelve. You've done a great job in your first two downs, and all of a sudden they pick up a first down. Uh, that, that, that shouldn't happen, and they got something to make adjustments <laughs> to that.
1: Yeah, it's got to be demoralizing when you are trying to get the you know the team off the field. And Coach Kiffin said yesterday, especially because this team is so good returning punts with Ronald Johnson and blocking punts. If you can get the team to get off the field and force them to punt where they're on their side of the field. It's a big advantage where if you keep giving up third and longs, and you, even if you eventually stop them, they've they've crossed midfield. They can just pooch punt or whatever. You're not you take out the return aspect. You you know, you, you make it a lot harder to block the punt. It's tougher, which uh, in puts you in a situation like that. And coach, I, I mean maybe the, the little slants and stuff that they were running to me. That's a that to be a much easier throw for the quarterback, right? Whereas if you play them tight and make them throw a fade over the top, that's a little bit lower percentage throw. It's a harder play to execute is that not is that not right
2: i agree especially when you're coming after him i mean he knows he's going to be on his back so he's got to get that ball off you take away the quick slant route from him of course play all the people he'll try to hit a tight a tight end or somebody on a quick quick hot read you can't do it all the time but you can certainly mix him up by doing it occasionally coming up and showing in and then backing off let him have audible eyes to a different route and then back off but you can't just let them have all that room especially when it's third and five and you're playing five yards off yeah. they drive you off you back pedal the guy runs it out or sign us over with it's the first down and right now there's so much room in the secondary that the guy's catching a short pass and running for another 10 or 15 yards at least so it's, it's very difficult on your defense because your defense plays well and then they're back in in a first-down situation and they're still on the field and you lose your field position. So, uh, yeah, they've got to make some adjustments and play better back there. And and I, I would love to have someone explain to me exactly what they're playing back there. Yeah,
1: I, I would love the same thing too, Coach. we got a lot of questions about it, so that's why we got to talk about it. Well, Coach, we appreciate your time. And, uh, yeah, we'll look forward to talking to you again after Oregon State game. Man, the Trojans could be 8-3 and three rolling into the, the rivalry games. It should be interesting. We'll see what happens up there in Corvallis.
2: Well, Ryan, again, uh, college football is great. The only thing bad about it, it's about over. And yeah. I don't want that to happen. It'll be op- over for the Trojans in three weeks. They could have a great offseason thinking they were 10-3, and three, but they got to play one game at a time. And it's possible to have a 10-win season. And I'll tell you, with a 10-win season, 90% of the teams in America would love to win 10 games in a given year. I know it might upset the NCAA uh, that the Trojans had such a great year. We uh... apologize to the NCAA. (laughs) And uh, don't forget, I would give them a ring, a bowl ring, at the end of the season at the banquet as a surprise saying, hey, guys, you're the best team in college football that wasn't allowed to go to a bowl, so we got our own bowl ring.
1: That's a great idea, Coach. All right. Well, we appreciate it as always. Thanks again. We'll talk to you next week. And everyone else, we're going to be back in 30 seconds. We're going to talk with Dan Weber, more about the team, what's been going on at practice, and looking forward to this Oregon State game. Stay tuned.
0: Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham.
1: Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We are now joined by USCfootball.com beat writer Dan Weber, been out of practice, was at the Arizona game. We're going to pick his brain and see what he thinks about Oregon State coming up. What's up, Dan?
4: Hey, Ryan. Uh... Oregon State is coming up. I wish they, you know, we're going up there and uh, see what the weather is going to be like. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I think the fact that it looks like it's going to be, what, 40s, maybe even get into the 30s, 60% chance of rain. Uh, The fact that USC, I think, uh, you know, feels pretty comfortable running the ball now. I think if you look at – the last two games up there uh u s c got very little out of its running uh you know they had to throw the ball like crazy uh uh in the you know the first game they lost in two thousand and six and then two thousand and eight they got so far behind uh they really weren't able to run the ball very well and then they couldn't either so uh, uh you know I think you feel much more comfortable like it, when you go into a place like Arizona. They were able to run the ball. They were able to control the ball. They were able to take the crowd out of the game. And they just gave a sense of, you know, we're superior. We're, we've we got better athletes, and, and we can kind of do what we want to do. And uh, I think that's really crucial. And uh, so I think they're in better shape with this team, the way it's playing now, uh, that they can kind of assert themselves uh that they can both a uh, run the ball and b uh, stop the run uh, and that's you know what what they haven't been able to do uh, like the last time up there Jackie Rogers they couldn't stop him and USC couldn't run the ball and uh, it was uh, you know that the one blip of that 2018 that probably should have won a national championship and left it in you know left it in Corvallis
1: yeah that's they've they've had some troubles up there in Corvallis. And they had to practice with wet balls a little bit this week just to try to simulate the, the weather that they could see up there. Matt Barkley talked about it. He said he didn't think the cold would bother him all that much. He'd wear some thermals and stuff. But the wet balls, they, they, they saw a little bit of effect of that in practice yesterday.
4: Yeah, I think he said, and he probably made a good point, he said playing in the rain is probably less difficult than actually when they, you're in the dry like you are here. And then they wet the balls down. He said that's more of an adjustment because it's not exactly reality. Uh, So he said he's just not going to, you know, overreact or, uh, uh, you know, try to do too many things to get ready for it. You just go up and play. And I like that. I don't think you want to, you know, overcompensate. And uh, I do think uh, being able to run the ball, you know, changes a lot of that. You can, you know, dominate the game even though it's their weather. Uh, if you say, you know, it's our ball and we're going to keep it. And, uh, you know, you've got the advantage. And I think in this case, uh, you know, that could be USC's advantage. I think the the run game is, uh, you know, coming around just in time. I
1: I agree with you, Dan. And we're going to talk about all that, too. we got some questions I wanted to get to first. And just to let people know, we're going to um... – we're doing a live show tonight on uh, Ustream. We call it USCfootball.com TV. So it's kind of like the podcast, but it's live. And there will be videos so you can kind of see our faces and stuff. And we're going to plan on doing this. Right now, the plan is to do it every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, you can watch it on the internet uh, on ustream.tv uscfootball. We'll also put that's ustream.tv uh, Slash USC football, but we'll also put it up on the front page of uscfootball.com. We're going to do one tonight, which is Wednesday, November seventeenth, and we do it live from Traditions, uh, which is the brand new on-campus bar and restaurant. It's in the new Tudor Campus Center, right next to the bookstore. The whole thing is beautifully remodeled, and Traditions is downstairs in the basement. You can take the stairs to the elevator down there, and at seven o'clock we'll start the show live. Go for about an hour until eight o'clock. And so if you're down on the USC campus and you want to come by, it'd be great. Just come by. You can ask us some questions. Or if you're watching online, you can type in your questions into the chat box and all of that. So it should be fun. We'll have Gerard Martinez down there as our guest. Dan Weber will normally be on. Uh, he's got the basketball game to cover, so we probably won't see him tonight. Um, but you know, we'll definitely have Dan on and he can answer questions and stuff and talk about upcoming games or what happened in the last game, what's going on in practice, things like that. Uh, but we're going to gonna have Gerard Martinez on, and we, we have a few recruiting questions that we got today for the podcast. We're going to actually put those into the broadcast tonight. So if you asked a recruiting question, you have some recruiting questions, you want to hear that, just check out uh, uscfootball.com later on in the day, and you can see the, the live show will go up there on Ustream, and we'll, we'll answer those questions there. And if you miss the live show, we'll actually put the replay up on uscfootball.com as well. So check that out. But we're going to try to make make this a weekly feature, and it'll complement the podcast. you will have the podcast where you can listen to on your iPod or whatever, on the computer, and you can also come down and watch us live and do the show at Traditions or watch on Ustream. So it should be fun, Dan. And I'm sorry we're going to miss you tonight, but uh, we'll, we'll definitely get you on the show in the future weeks.
4: Yeah, we're locked into this, uh, ba- uh, trying to do both sports at this point, and the uh, basketball is off to, uh, you know, eight games in 17 days start, which I guess is the... Uh, uh, they've only done that, I think, in the last, what, 26, 27 years. They've done one other year where they've played this many games in this, uh, this few days. So uh, they're really getting themselves going. Uh, uh, and you kind of got to like, uh, you know, what you're seeing with the basketball. They they really seem to have been, uh, you know, very fortunate with the, uh, the two freshman guards, uh, Maurice Jones, my goodness, with the 29 points the other night, and then Bryce Jones, the 6'5", six 6'6", six six kid out of, kf high school here and uh you know those are just two outstanding uh you know freshmen and then to, to uh you know know that they're they're getting the transfer from fordham who was the leading scorer at fordham Gio fontan another guard who'll be ready uh, for the kansas game uh uh kind of interesting I'm, I'm and then they've got the two big kids and so uh this is uh if I were a USC fan, uh, I might give this uh, basketball team a little look. Uh, they might be uh, fun to watch. They certainly are running the ball up and down the floor, and they're doing it with just seven guys. So it's going to be interesting. That seems to be uh, a carryover problem, football and basketball, uh, whether you've got enough bodies to play the way you want. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, you know, they they certainly seem uh, like they might be able to, you know, put some points on the board this year that you didn't see them, uh, you know, have the ability to do last year.
1: Well, we'll be watching. We'll check it out. We'll actually give you some updates if you're watching the show. You can't see the basketball game. We'll give you updates of what's going on during the basketball game, uh, up from the basketball game uh, during our show and stuff. So it should be good. So, again, that's slash. USC football, or just go to uscfootball.com tonight, and we'll, we'll post the link up there. Well, Dan, we have uh, some questions. We have a voicemail question to start. Uh, 206-888-6755 is the number if you want to leave us a voicemail and ask questions uh, on voicemail, and we can play them on the air for you. This first one's about the tight end position, Dan. Hey, guys. This is Denny. This questions for Jan Weber. Jan, I'm wondering what's
3: going on with the tight end. The uh, the starters, Ellison, Isle, Isles, even Jordan Cameron have looks pretty atrocious this season they've been almost invisible and yet with that great crop we brought in recruiting last year not not one of them touches the field why uh, why is that i I know red shirts are of course a concern but with the non-existence of the tight ends you think we'd be looking forward to to getting something else going in the passing game thanks for taking my question guys love the podcast look forward to hearing the answers have a good one
4: i think what they've decided to do uh and, and with the two veterans uh and Blake Hills has, has been out now. I guess this will be the fourth week. Uh, so they basically—they're playing a lot of two tight ends, and they're blocking them. Uh, and uh, you know they will, as they threw into the end zone for uh, Red Ellison, get a you know get a score there. But as Lane said, you know you kind of go with what you got, and uh, you know they uh, they like the idea of having the two speed receivers uh, and. Uh, They've kind of moved in that direction more in terms of the passing game, and I think because uh, you know it's taken a while to get, for example, converted tight end, converted basketball or converted uh, you know wide receiver basketball player Jordan Cameron up to speed blocking. I think they just it's probably too big a leap to get the freshmen up to speed in terms of uh, what they need out of them and uh, you know blocking. Uh, I don't think that they. They wouldn't look at them as good receivers, but then, you know, the two seniors, or the two upperclassmen are, are, are both, uh, uh, you know, excellent receivers as well right now. So uh, I think it's they've decided uh, they need uh, uh, the ability to play uh, play both of them, if, you know, on occasion. They need the ability to play uh, Ellison, for example, more at times as an H-back. Uh, or, uh, you know, move him around and and get mismatches in different places. But I think the blocking uh, for the run game has become, and and the blocking to protect the quarterback has been the uh, essential thing that they're looking for in the tight end. And I don't think they think the freshmen probably uh, can contribute as much, as athletic as they are, as, as impressive, you know, a group as they are. I think they're giving them this year to kind of get up to speed, knowing that they're going to need them all next year. Uh, uh, you know, so uh, I think this is sort of an adjustment year uh, with a guy like, uh, you know, Christian Thomas. They're looking at him at different positions and, uh, you know, all kinds of things like that. But I don't think they thought that they were going to contribute catching the ball uh, or blocking people this year.
1: All right. Well, thank you for that question on the tight ends. We'll see what happens there. There's definitely some talent down the road. But for this year, and, you know, I like the talent they have now. It's just they're not getting their production out of that position that you would like. Um, this one is from David, Dan. This is a email question. Again, if you want to email us, podcast at com is our email address. Uh, he wants to know, how did a walk-on linebacker, who now is a, a scholarship, by the way, David, uh, Ross Cumming, end up on the hands team for the onside kick? Great job by him, of course, but he doesn't seem to be a likely candidate for the job. Do you guys know the background?
4: Well, I walked. I was on the field. He was the first player I talked to after the game, because everybody, you know, all they. I mean, he was so popular on this team, and they really, really respect him. And guys were, you know, running up and, you know, slapping him on the back and just, you know, and I, <laughs> and I'm standing there. I said, "Why are you? You know, why you?" He didn't actually know uh, how he ended up there. Uh, you know, Coach uh, Baxter works in mysterious ways. One of the things though, in explaining i said how did you what did you think about you know they were going to do on this play? because they u s c had called the timeout, and then uh uh you know uh Arizona overloads one side and they shift and then uh instead of kicking to either side, they kick it straight, and you know sort of a you know half uh, squib kind of a thing that you hope bounces uh you know and you you run by the you kind of isolate the uh, where ross Coving he was you know isolated. He said, I had studied everything, every one of their uh, uh, onside kicks for the year, and he said they did this against Iowa, which was, you know, back like the first week of September or whatever. And he said, I remembered how they did it, and he, he said, I knew that's where, he said, I just knew it was coming to me, and I knew how they were going to do it, and I was just ready for it. How, you know, so I'm thinking he's on there because of his head, because he's smart, because he... uh you know, understood what was gonna happen. Uh he said he hadn't touched the ball since high school. So, uh essentially the reason he's there is uh he's smart, he's tough, uh he's not afraid. He wasn't afraid. Some kids might say, geez I hope it doesn't come to me. Uh, you know, he's got that sort of attitude, you know, of a baseball player like, uh, I hope they hit the ball, you know, to me. And uh... and he just did it exactly right. Uh but that's a it's a really good question, and I maybe I uh, should ask John Baxter exactly what was the thinking uh, in terms of, of Ross Cumming. But but my judgment after looking at the way it all developed is he's on there because he's smart and he's tough and he's not afraid uh, to make a play, and uh, it was very impressive. The kids, uh, I think, uh, first one you know out there was Galippo, just screaming, you know, what a great job Ross Cumming did on that play. What a great job. Oh man, this is. This is, you know, this is how you win games because everybody on the team contributes. And, you know, look at what they were—the the players were so thrilled, you know, for Ross. And, and I think they really, really uh, trust him. I mean, he just, you know, every day in practice, he's just where he's supposed to be. He, uh, oh, he. Had, I mean, they did linebacker tackling drill, live tackling yesterday. And on, on, on early when he kind of got his wrist banged around, and you could just tell, you know, it got caught. And what they do is they have the linebackers tackle the tight end, so they're tackling some really big guys. And, you know, he's there, and, man, he's working on that wrist and working on that wrist, and finally he gets to go as the last guy again. And you're thinking, oh, I wonder how his you know, wrist is going to be. And he just, and I can't remember which tight end it was, he just leveled the guy. I mean, it was like, you know, knocking a, you know, chopping a tree down. It just, you know, made this tremendous, uh, you know, noise, and, and. Ended the drill, you know, like a real upbeat fashion for the linebackers. Like, boy, you know, and and he's just one of those guys that that just seems to come through for him. And uh, uh, so, very good question, and he's not even sure. I don't know if Ross could even tell you for sure why he's there, but he was there and in the right place, and he did the right thing, and they have unbelievable confidence in, in, in the fact that he will do the right thing.
1: Well, great play by Ross there, and uh, it's good to see a guy work his way up from the walk-on status, get a scholarship, and then be able to make a big play and really help secure the victory for USC there. Uh, all right, next one up, Dan. We have a question on Alan Bradford. It's been a hot topic. We talked a little bit about this uh, with Harvey Hyde in the last segment, but let's kind of get your thoughts uh, on Alan Bradford, and here's the question.
3: Yes, my question is whether or not uh, there's a reason why um, uh, Alan Bradford, this is uh, Hugh Fisher from Simi Valley, uh, whether Alan Bradford uh, would get used again given the fact that Mark Tyler kind of came up lame. Know that He's uh, had a couple fumbles along the way, but as a senior and someone who can really pound the ball, I was curious to know why he may not have had a chance unless maybe he's hurt and we don't know about it. So if you can deal with that in the podcast, I'd love to listen to your answer. Thank you.
4: Yeah, I don't think he's hurt at all anymore. I think he has been, and I think they, you know, we what we never could get completely clear from Allen is I think there something happened the week of the Stanford game, and uh, I think he ended up, uh, he did have a touchdown. He had 13 carries and I think only 33 yards in that game. That was right after the Washington game where he had, uh, you know, the 223-yard career-high game and, and, and what have you uh but he he he's always said that you know he wasn't exactly right for Stanford and it looked like uh then the next week getting ready for Cal he came up with turf toe, like on that Thursday and it was kind of a couple of weeks where he was c- kind of worried about his uh uh health he was you know uh, and he just wasn't feeling right and it looked like he probably overcompensated a little bit and was trying to make sure he was okay and he was thinking about, you know, uh, his, uh, you know, whether, you know, how he would compensate for, you know, if he had turf toe, or how he would handle uh, whatever issue that he may have, maybe less thought about, as he keeps saying, you know, ball security and carrying the ball high and tight. And uh, there, you know, a couple of times, uh, one it didn't, it wasn't a fumble, it uh, it wasn't ruled a fumble uh, uh, in the Arizona State game early. But he did put the ball on the ground. And I think, you know, the decision has been made that ball security is so important that uh, putting the ball on the ground is just, you know, a a cardinal sin. You're know, you just not going to be allowed to do that. And uh, it just so happened at the time, uh, Dylan Baxter is healthier again, and they wanted to get him into the rotation. They just feel like they can't waste this whole season. Uh, for Dylan, and so then Mark Tyler steps up and uh, just, you know, has a couple of back-to-back games where he gives you both the power back and the uh, fairly, uh, you know, nimble footed uh, guy who can read the blocking and let the the blocking develop and uh, seems to be in sync with the offensive line, and it's just something about Mark, that just he doesn't get ahead of himself, he kind of lets the play develop, he seems to have the ability to cut behind the you know the big guys even if they're not blocking they're in the way and he just has that you know uh ability right now to to do some things that uh you know that, you know, that Allen uh, who um, uh you know didn't get a lot of carries all of his time at, at USC and and maybe never did quite develop the uh you know sophisticated kind of ability to you know, relax and, 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 and let a play develop as much. But he certainly has the ability, to, you know, in the right play in the right situation to run people, you know, run over people, run through people, uh, run past people. And You know, I think they're basically saying, you're, you know, you may get your chance and you may get a big chance. I mean, it's obvious there have been games this year where, the guy you didn't expect, uh, you know, goes off and has a, you know, a giant game. And, uh, so I think, you know, it could happen this weekend, but he, he feels like he's a hundred percent, uh, and he understands that he needs to carry the ball high and tight and he'll give you, you know, the, the, uh, he'll show you exactly how he should be doing it. And there are times where maybe he, he, uh, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't do that. He's thinking about something else. And, uh, so, you know, I just think, uh, He's got to be ready, and I think he knows it. And, uh, you know, it looks like, for example, Mark will probably follow the same schedule he followed last week, which is probably not do very much at all. You know, Tuesday, Wednesday, when they're in pads, uh, uh feel a little better on Thursday. But, uh, you know, does he come around like he did last week? Uh, uh, I don't think the, uh, you know, the, the ankle is a little more swollen this week. It's It's less sore but a little more swollen, saying it's on the inside of his, uh, you know, on, on the inside of his left uh, ankle, and uh, that's not so bad, he, he says. But he's got a little bruise on the calf as well, so whether, you know, and then he's had the uh, back bruise going into the game. So whether any of that catches up with him, you know, whether you know, the cold weather makes it harder to, you know, to do that and they go to Allen, I, I mean, I don't think they feel you know, badly if they have to go to Allen at all. Uh, and I think Alan's just gonna, you know, you really know, talk. He sat down and talked with Lane about it, and uh, I think he, you know, he trusts Lane, and he, he just wants to make sure that that's the only reason. You know, when he believes now that the only reason was the whole issue of ball security, and he can't put the ball on the ground, and uh, I think they're just. You know, they're not giving in on that one. They're they're not going to say, you know, oh, you're a 50-year senior, you're a good guy, you worked hard for the program and all that, which they would certainly agree to. Uh, they just said, you know, you can't put the ball on the ground. And if you do, you know, you're not going to get a chance to run the ball as much as somebody else uh, who doesn't put it on the ground. And it's that simple.
1: Yeah, it does seem like that simple for, for them. And I, I think one of the stats – um, that was pretty interesting to me. Was over the last two games. I hope I got this right. Over the last two games, they've only had one carry that went for negative yards. One one carry over the last two games, I and mean, that's got to be pretty impressive for Lane Kiffin in the in the offensive line there.
4: It is, and uh, I think if you were there at Arizona, it was so obvious to Arizona's fans they just watched USC line up and against a really good defense or defense that had certainly had a good you know you know record this year and you know, in the Pac-10, and then nationally, and then you know, stat-wise, and what have you, and he just, you know, lined up, and ran right at them, and knocked them all over the field, and, and it really took out, you know, the Arizona crowd, I mean, they sat there, and it was like, oh, these guys are, you know, they're bigger than we are, they're stronger than we are, they can do whatever they want, and they just moved the ball right down the field on us, and it was like watching an old-time USC football game, you know, with one of those Heisman tailbacks, uh, where they just, you know, line up and say, "Here we come," and that's what they did. And uh, you know, when he ran, I mean, when Mark runs into the, you know, the end zone on the the one touchdown where he basically not even touched, you know, he runs right like, through the middle of the line and, and just makes a, a really good cut back into the end zone. It's like deflated you know arizona stadium i mean they just kind of sat there and thought maybe maybe not we're probably not as good as those guys and it, it really is a way of doing that i think it you know that was kind of the old usc way of doing it uh in the pac 10 is just lining up and saying you know our linemen are bigger and better and our running backs are bigger and better and sorry we're not going to let you play uh, it's our ball, and we're going to keep it. And uh, I mean, I think uh, uh, you know that would be the way to do it. Obviously, this weekend, uh, you know, uh, and it's the way they haven't been able to do it the last two times at Oregon State is uh, basically, uh, you know, do what we do well and uh, and and not you know try to you know and, and don't turn the ball over. As Alan was saying, he's been there twice; they've lost twice. And both times they really gave the ball up and and then they had to play from behind and that's not what you want to do. And so kind of that ball security thing applies to the USC team as much as it does to, uh, you know, Allen himself. Uh, You can't do that. And uh, I think, you know, there's, you know, the Arizona game made that so clear, uh, uh, you know, that this team, if they do that. So what we're at, what you end up seeing now is, uh, Matt Barkley is becoming more of a game manager. I mean, here was the kid that came in on the strength of this, you know, rocket arm and, you know, all this potential to throw the ball downfield and you've got these, you know, you know speed uh, you know re- receivers. And now everybody, you know, like Arizona, they weren't going to let uh, Woods, Robert Woods or uh, uh, Ronald Johnson get behind them at all. They did everything they could possibly do to keep the plays in front of them. So in that situation, you just manage the game and, and you run the ball. And so uh, Matt Barkley's becoming, uh, you know, this game manager. And, uh, you know, don't turn the ball over. They had the one fluke, you know, uh, deflected interception off of Jordan Cameron's hands. But other than that, in 82 plays, you know, they didn't, uh, they didn't lose ball security at all. And that's, uh, that's got to be uh, kind of an interesting way that, you know, Matt becomes now Mr. Uh, game Manager. Instead of you know, Mister, uh, you know, big arm, uh, you know, t- you know, and that's interesting because you know, halfway through the year, he had twenty touchdown passes and uh, you know, just four interceptions and and all of that. But teams then start playing you differently, and you have to be able to take advantage, which I think USC, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, has been able to do. Yeah,
1: it's only five touchdowns, five interceptions over the last three games.
4: Right. Yeah. And so, uh, but they, you know, they run the ball better. And uh, his accuracy, we're not sure. He he hasn't had as many shots, but he's had a couple where he's had, you know, he's had the receiver downfield and he's taken the shot. And and a couple of times, once to Robert, once to Ronald, the ball just isn't on target. And uh, so, you know, it's a good thing that they've been able to run the ball. They just, uh, you know, even when they've gotten their chances, uh, they just haven't seemed to hook up on the, on the deep ball. So, uh, now whether that's one of those things that the more you go away from it, the less likely you are to do it when you get that one or, you know, that one or so chance a game. Uh, I don't know, you know, if that's the kind of thing that it's harder to make that throw when you only get it once or twice in a game. Uh, but they've been close and they've been there. Uh, the, the play's been there and, you know, some, you know, a couple of really good calls and, and we had, you know, both those times I think we, we saw, the receiver uh if the ball is right on the money probably uh you know has the long you know the long touchdown but uh they haven't let that stop him, which is interesting and that and certainly hasn't let it throw off the rest of his game I and mean, i thought he was pretty much flawless in terms of you know game management at arizona i thought he looked you know he's starting to look like a veteran that way but uh if he could, uh, you know, get back to where he's also that, uh, you know, guy with that, you know, rifle uh, arm throwing downfield, uh, you really, uh, you know, he's still only a sophomore. I mean, right. we, <laughs> we get ahead of ourselves because he handled himself not like a sophomore. I mean, uh, I think one of the guys from one of the radio stations in LA last night said. I think I'm going to be voting for you someday. You sound like you're going to be a, 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 you know, one of the, a great politician when you get out of here, you know, <laughs> not looking at him like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the guy just said, he said, you really handle yourself. Well, these questions we throw at, Cause you, you know, they, you try to catch, you know, if you're one of those radio guys who comes once a week and you try to catch them with this question or that question, because you're looking for a really good soundbite and you can't catch Matt. He's just, you know, he's just too good at it, uh, and he's not going to say anything that's going to get anybody, you know, excited in terms of the opponents or, you know going to put up on the on the locker room bulletin board. And uh, uh, and so I think we at times forget that you know he's still a young, you know, young uh, young kid, and still only uh, this is only his second year, and and he, he he just you know had a full year as a starter he's a freshman, but uh, that's really unusual.
1: It certainly is. Alright, Dan, well, great stuff as always, and uh, we wish you well on your trip up to Oregon State, and we'll see you on there at the basketball game tonight, but have a good time up there, and thanks again for joining us.
4: Thank you, Ron, we enjoyed it very much, and uh, yeah, we will be prepared for uh, for the weekend, I think.
1: Uh, certainly, yes, we'll be all over, <laughs> uscfootball.com will be all over, and I just want a, a little programming note, and Dan, I, I haven't even talked to you about this yet, because we are doing that show. It looks like we're going to do Wednesday nights as our normal night uh, down at Traditions at 7 p.m. We'll see if it goes okay tonight, and we'll probably we'll let everyone know. We'll keep that going uh, on our Ustream show. You can check it on usafootball.com. But because of that, if we're going to do that on Wednesday nights, we were talking about moving the podcast from Wednesday mornings to Monday mornings. So I think we're going to play with that. If you have any feedback, you can drop us an email, podcast at usafootball.com. But we might actually start that next week. Move it around a little bit, and we'll play with it. If it doesn't work, we can move it back to Wednesdays. But send us your feedback if you yeah. have any. Daniel, any thoughts on Monday? Yeah, I think
4: that sounds great. I think Monday'd be great. You know, people, uh, you know, that's when you get a lot of questions over the weekend after the game, and you're, you know, you're thinking about them. And uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, we'd be, uh, we'd be a little bit more. Uh, uh, we won't see them on Monday, so uh, that would give us something to kind of, you know, look forward to as to how the week is going to go, and. Uh, Kind of, uh, uh, you know, looking, you know, looking ahead. I like the idea of the podcast, kind of looking ahead, uh, yeah. uh, and, and you know, you're still close enough to the game day, uh, so you, you you've got that, you know, perfect chance to kind of look back real quickly yeah. at, at what just happened. And then, uh, you know, how does this affect where, you know, going forward? So that sounds like a good idea. I, I, I'm, I'd be all for that. That'd be great.
1: All right. Well, thanks, Dan. And, yeah, again, if you have any comments for us, just drop us an email podcast at USCFootball.com. Hopefully, it won't affect too many people. And we'll, we'll play around and see how it goes. But, Dan, thanks again. And everyone else, thank you for tuning in. This is the Parastyle Podcast. You can check us out on ParastylePodcast.com. And we'll tune in next week. Listen for a new show when USC goes up to play Oregon State.